All right, turn your Bibles to, to John chapter 14. Today's the last sermon in our sermon series, Holy Ghost, part 12, to comfort. I saved this one for last. It's just what I do. It's, it's the one that I thought was the most important of this whole series. I pray that in the, the previous 11 sermons um, that you have become more familiar with the Holy Spirit, that he's more than just this, this vague force in your life or, or just something you read or come across in your Bible, that, that the Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost, however you refer to him, um, is, is really an ever-present help in your day-to-day walk with Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the very power of God. Genesis 1, it was the Holy Spirit that was hovering over the waters of the deep. It was the Holy Spirit that, that as God the Father spoke and all things came to be, through the Son, by the power of the Holy Spirit, everything we see that can be seen was created. Now, John chapter 14, see, verse 1 says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Church, we are a troubled people, amen? We, we find trouble each and every day, and even when we avoid it, trouble finds us. We, we are some of the most depressed people, the most depressed generation in recorded history, more people today are on anti-depression drugs, are, are battling through real battles of depression than ever before, younger than ever, and, and, and hopeless as ever. And today I want to bring to you a God who doesn't say, look away from the depression, look away from the trials, look away from the, from the trouble, but a God who says, let not your hearts be troubled. Not scolding us, not getting after us, but reminding us of why. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that? I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare, prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you may know the way to where I am going. Now, Thomas, his nickname is Doubting Thomas, he gets a bad rap, is always act, he's always asking these questions that we look at him and go, how could you ask that question? But secretly inside we're saying, man, I'm glad he asked that question. I'm glad I didn't have to be the one to open my mouth. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, and this is going to be a key verse for today. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Early on, you read the book of Acts, early on the church, as they just sort of exploded out of nowhere. The Holy Spirit falls in Acts chapter 2 and the church begins to grow. Thousands here and thousands there added to the church. It gets dispersed because of persecution and it just causes, causes the, uh, the, the church to grow even faster and, and wider and deeper. But before Christians were ever called Christians, they were called followers of the way. In, in 
Acts chapter 9, Paul, who's at that time, his name is Saul, he goes to the, the authorities and says, look, we have to stop this church. Give me permission to go and persecute those who call themselves of the way. You see, Jesus is not just, he's not just a good teacher. He's not just a great moral example. I mean, he is those things. He's the, he's the teacher of teachers. No one has higher morals. No one has higher standards or ethics. No one has more integrity. Okay, He wasn't just a holy man, though he was holy. He is God, and not only is he God, he's the way to God. He is the door through which we enter. As we celebrate in a couple weeks, Good Friday, on that, that day where Jesus was crucified, when he, when he died, when he let out his final breath, the Bible says that in the, in the temple, that the veil that separated the rest of the temple from the Holy of Holies, the place where the Ark of the Covenant was, where a priest went once a year, only one priest went once a year to make atonement through the, through the shedding of blood of a, of a perfect spotless lamb, would go in, excuse me, it wasn't a lamb, but, but a perfect sacrifice, went in there, sprinkled blood on the altar one day out of the year to make atonement or to cover the sins of the people. On that day when Jesus died, the veil was torn in two. Now, it wasn't no you know, curtain like we see here. This was a thick, big, tall, heavy cloth that kept everybody out. This high priest, should he had gone in with, without repenting of his own sins first, if he had gone in in the wrong way, he would have died by the very power and presence of God. And as Jesus died, the veil is torn in two. So now, now not just the high priest has access, we all have access. We all can go boldly into the Holy of Holies to meet with God himself. We do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. But that broken veil, that's representative of Jesus' body. Through his broken body, his sacrifice. Isaiah 53, we were, he was bruised for our iniquities, for our sins. We enter in through him. There is no other way. There are other ways to be nice. There are other ways to be good. There are other ways to have morals. But there is only one way to be forgiven and to live for God, and that is through Jesus. Church, today, you know the way. Like Thomas asking that question, what's the way to God? Jesus is the way to God. Through him, the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me or through Jesus, through him. John 10 and 7 says this, So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to and destroy. I came that, that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I come to present to you today the gospel of Jesus, the good news that though we are sinners, Christ died for us. That before we ever asked to be saved, God did everything needed so that we might be saved. Now, in, in John chapter 14, verse 26, 
Jesus says to his disciples, but the helper or or the comforter, as he's uh, called in uh, the King James Version, the comforter, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you to your uh, bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. I deduce that the Lord sent the Holy Spirit and referred to him as a helper or a, a comforter because we are going to need comfort. We are going to have to have someone come alongside us, someone who's not us, someone who's not in the same place as us, someone who, who is beyond us to come alongside us and say, you know what? You're going to make it. This trial, this season, this trouble, this tribulation, this anguish, this distress will not take you. It will not kill you. It will not be your end. It will be the beginning of your blessings. Now, if you need a comforter, that is because you will need comfort. And, and if we can agree, see last week I spent a long time trying to get us to agree that yes, we are sinners. If we agree that we are sinners, then we have sinned against somebody, haven't we? There, there are no sins where it's only you isolated. I guarantee you that any sin that you have committed has taken advantage of somebody somewhere at some point. If you have lied, you've taken advantage of somebody, haven't you? You've taken advantage of their trust. You've taken advantage of, their, uh, of everything about them. If you've stolen from them, you've taken, you've taken advantage of their possessions and, and maybe even their trust as well. If you, if you have defied your parents, if you have defied God, if you have uh, killed, you've certainly sinned against somebody. Sin, in essence, means that we have taken advantage and hurt somebody else, including God. Which means we're not only sinners in need of forgiveness, we've been sinned against and we need comfort. Church, some of you have been sinned against. And I don't want to, I don't want to elevate one above the other. It's, it's both. And we're going to take them both equally. But, but we tend to emphasize being sinners more than being sinned against. And all I want to do is level the playing field. Yes, we are sinners, but there are people who have sinned against us. They have taken advantage of us. They have hurt us. They have said words that have destroyed us. I know people, I've met people whose, whose life today is shaped by a few words spoken decades ago. Always, always seeing themselves as less because somebody thought less of them. I know people who are afraid to love because they've been betrayed. I know people who are afraid to spend money because they've been without money. I know people who are just in fear because somebody somewhere has hurt them. And that's probably you. You have something that you need to be comforted for. And I don't, I don't know what it is unless the Lord gives me some kind of special knowledge. At this point, I don't know exactly what that is. I just know that you need comfort. And today, know this, that God has sent the believers of Jesus Christ, not everybody, you might say, Tony, that sounds exclusive. I know. Jesus died so that we can all be forgiven. And if you give your life to Jesus today, then, then that you're part of that group where you receive the Holy Spirit. That means should the whole world betray you, you still have God. If, if everyone should abandon you, God has promised to never leave us nor forsake us. 
And you might say, Pastor, but I, 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 it's not the same as having another person there with you. And I would agree, but if you understand it as the Bible describes it, it's better. It means that no matter where you're at in any part of the day, you are with God. He is with you. <clears throat> you have access to his power, and his power is there with you. This means that you can accomplish what he has called you to do, that you can conquer sin in your life. But Pastor Tony, I still sin. I know. We all do. We're the worst. We, a perfect God comes, dies for us so that we might be forgiven, and then we say yes, and then we sin again. We get angry. We, we yell at somebody. We, we, we don't respect our husbands. We don't respect our wives. We, we yell at the kids. We kick the dog. We cheat somebody. We, we do something. We lie to protect ourselves. We hate somebody, which Jesus says is the beginning of murder. You know, we, we look at somebody with lustful eyes, which is, Jesus says, the beginning of adultery. And, 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 and that's who we are. But only for a time. See, we have been forgiven, and Jesus is sanctifying us. Think about, think about a garment with a stain, and you're, and you're just scrubbing it. And the more you scrub, and the more you scrub, more of the stain comes out. And, and, and at the end of your life, You'll go to be with him, and at that point, you will be made perfect and sinless and spotless. But this, 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 that little dash between the two years of your, of your tombstone, that will be a process of sanctification through the Holy Spirit. But it will also be a time of comfort through the Holy Spirit. Now, the world... And by the world, I just mean like people who don't believe in Jesus. They really desire and want, and I, and I believe this, peace. True or false, peace is a good thing. Peace is a good thing, right? We should desire peace. Blessed are the peacemakers and all that. But the greatest peace, the, the peace that Jesus and the Bible refers to always, is the peace between God and man. If we are not right with God, there's a great war. The Bible says it's called enmity. It's war between God and us. And God dies so that he could satisfy that war. We, we, don't, we don't get forgiven because we've overthrown God. We are forgiven because we wave a white flag and surrender and God lifts us up as children, no longer enemies. I don't know about you, but when we fight with folks, whether it's a, a international level or just in our own homes, it's hard to just go from, you're my enemy. Oh, you're my child. It's hard to do that, right? To go from, I don't like you. Oh, wait, I forgive you. Oh, everything's okay now. That is simply a power that God alone possesses, and we're just trying to, we're just trying to be changed by him so that we can do the same. Now, Jesus gives us this word. Here, here's the peace that we're going to attain here and now. It'll be just a glimpse or a glimmer, but, but then in heaven with the Lord, it'll be manifest completely. Jesus says in John chapter 16, verse 33, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation or trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. There is no peace apart from Jesus Christ. Right now, as we speak, there are people in Iraq and Afghanistan and Syria 
and Israel, and they're running for their lives. Why? Because there's peace? No, because there are men, evil, vile men, who are going and trying to find them and kill them simply because they love Jesus. But they have peace with God. And should their life end by, by literally their head being removed from their body, they will go to be with the Lord. This, this became very real for me as I began to, to explain it to my son, who's only seven. And, and I tried to echo the words of Paul that to live is, is Christ, but to die is gain. That if I'm alive, I get to preach the gospel, but if I die, whenever that is, I get to go be with Jesus. And these folks, these 21 who were, who were martyred, these Syrian Christians, they have gone to be with Jesus. All that men has done, uh, man has done is expedited their trip there. And you'll read story after story, the families forgiving, forgiving the, the men who have done this, not because they deserve it, but so they might see Jesus. Church, I, I want to have peace too. I want peace in my household, peace in Canastota, peace in our country, peace around the world. But all of that will come to an end one day. And if you do not have peace with God, the peace on earth will have been to no benefit. It will profit you nothing. So to find that peace that Jesus offers, you must be in him. In the New Testament, through the Gospels and in the writings of Paul and just throughout the whole New Testament, hundreds of times is this phrase, in me, in Christ, in God. It's, it's the equivalent of a letter being in an envelope. You know, when a letter is in an envelope and it is closed and it is sealed, you know, referencing our, our sermon last week, and it is sealed, you don't see the letter, you see the envelope. Jesus is the one that we are in that he envelops us. We stand before God forgiven, not because we are so good, but because he is so good. But because God the Father sees his perfect son. And in him we find forgiveness. And in him we find peace. And in him we find love. And in him we find reconciliation. And in him we are redeemed. Church, I'm here to remind you and tell you maybe for the first time that God sent his power, the Holy Spirit of himself, the Holy Spirit of God, to you to comfort you when you inevitably go through suffering. I, I, I'm just, I would be lying to you if I told you, give your life to Jesus and all the suffering will end. Give your life to Jesus, life will be easy. Give your life to Jesus, you'll never have pain. That's, that's not true. Jesus was perfect, sinless, blameless, and he died a murderer's death on a cross. He was beaten, bloodied, spit upon, crown of thorns, all of that. We worship a God who became flesh, who was homeless, who was betrayed, who was persecuted, who was lied about who was disowned by his own family. They thought he was crazy. His brothers tried to, Jesus, stop with all that son of God talk or son of man talk. He had a mission. He went and did it. That's the God we serve. And should we join in that suffering, then we should be considered blessed. 
when the apostles in the book of Acts, when they are beaten and flogged for the name of Jesus, they walk away rejoicing. I'm sure that they're limping. I'm sure that they're bleeding. I'm sure that they're sore, that they're hurting, and, and, and it's going to take some time to recover. But they walk away rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer, just like Jesus did, just like, just like their God had. Church, suffering is not the worst thing. Suffering is not the end of life. I, I get it. Some of you are suffering through things that I can only imagine. We go to uh, Golisano Children's Hospital in, in upstate uh, with our son who's going through leukemia. And uh, we meet people, they have little or to no hope, their diagnosis is grim at best, and, 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 and we're, from the surface it looks like we're going through the same thing, but it's in totally different, totally different circumstance. You know, our, our, I've shared this a few times, our first son, he was born three months premature, he died, went to be with the Lord. We've met several people who have lost children over the last few years. I have not met a one yet that I thought, yeah, that's not that bad. Every one of them has been like a, a knife in the heart every time. Whether, whether it was a premature birth or a tubal pregnancy or a miscarriage, whatever the circumstance was, it's just trial, tribulation. It hurts. It's painful. Some of you have, have gone through divorces. Some of you have gone through financial crashes. You've just lost tons of money, seemingly doing nothing wrong. You weren't gambling. You weren't spending it on drugs or prostitutes or anything. You just investments fell through or projects didn't come through or like the with the divorces, they took some of the money with them. Some of you have just had your best friends rip your heart out. I mean, I trusted you. I loved you. I, I welcomed you in. You were like my brother or my sister. And then you just betrayed me like I was, like I was your enemy. Suffering is the worst. But I tell you, the only thing worse than that is being stuck in there as a victim. You want to live a stunted life. You want to live perpetually in the same incidences over and over and over again, watching everybody else's life, uh, everybody else's life go by while you're in the same spot. Live as a victim. I'm not saying it doesn't hurt. I'm not saying you won't need counseling or help or something to help you get through this. But what I'm saying is, if you stay right there, life will always be like that. If you are the victim, then you will always be the victim, and you'll never grow from there. I liken it to this, and I've shared this a lot recently. You know, some of us are wounded, and we need to be healed, right? I mean, wounds have to be healed. They have to heal up. Um, Jesus was wounded once, and into heaven he carries scars, right? The Bible says that the scars are still there. After his crucifixion, Thomas can put his hand in his side and see the, the nail scars on his hands. See, here's the thing. They were scars. Jesus doesn't carry wounds into heaven. He carries scars into heaven. Some of you are wounded, and you're staying wounded. And we need those wounds to become scars. And those wounds become scars through the Comforter, the Holy Spirit of God. He'll share with you something from the Word. He'll speak something, speak something to you in that still, small voice. He'll have a church come around you and love you. But nevertheless, 
Today is a day to begin living for Christ. Now, quick show of hands. I'm going to stretch you guys just a little bit. How many people here truly need comfort? If you didn't raise your hand, I think everybody did. Yeah, everybody did. Good. So we understand trial, trouble, tribulation. We get that? Okay, so then why not, and this is crazy thought, why not come to the Lord and seek comfort in those things? I've, when I was younger, God, stop this thing right now, it hurts. And I mean younger, I mean like mid-twenties. I don't like this, right? You go through a trial, I, I don't like this. It's painful, it hurts. I, I don't like this. Stop it right now. Here's what I've learned. That God brings me through these things, and when I come out, I'm, I'm more like him. I don't mean I'm God-like or anything like that. I just mean I'm able to see the world through his eyes a little bit more. I, I'm strengthened so that the next trial that comes, I, I'm actually not freaking out as much. I'm, it's not that I'm okay with it. I just I realize, okay, he saw me through the last one. Why won't he see me through this? We have, as a family, my wife and I and our children have been through foreclosure, being laid off, losing a child, cancer. I mean, we've had the gamut just, you know, thrown at us. And that's just our our little cluster family there. And then our extended family has gone through cancer and death and, and, and all this other business. We understand trials, but here's what I know. If those things were not there, we would not be the people we are today. And what we have found is the comforter. And his name is the Holy Spirit, and he is sent to you by Jesus. And so today I want you to receive the Holy Spirit. I can't, I can't make you receive the Holy Spirit. You know, I can't make you believe, but I can, I can sure as heck push you right up to that edge to get you to jump. Amen? Let's stand. We're going to pray. Jesus, we need you. We need to be comforted. Father, as I think about those who are in the room today, we aren't, we aren't people who are just, uh, we're not like little children just, just wanting everything done for us. We're, we have matured in you. And we cry out to you for substantial, real pain. Pain inflicted upon us in the past. Pain inflicted upon, upon us now. Fear of the future. Jesus, we need your Holy Spirit to comfort us in a way that only you can. I believe, Lord, that the comfort that your Holy Spirit brings transcends the comfort of anything else. Lord, I, I'm thankful for those who will come alongside us and embrace us, for those who will come alongside us and offer us an encouraging word that might help us financially or, or, or you know, help us in some other way, like giving us a ride or... or, or providing us with babysitting. I mean, people are great, Lord, but there is something about your Holy Spirit that is so much different than that. And I pray today, Lord, for each person that today they would feel, experience the comfort that comes straight from you, whether it be a verse from your word, whether it be a, a thought or a comfort from, from that still small voice, whether it be an encouragement from another person, a word simply for them, Lord, whether it's just community and enjoying a meal together. Father, bring comfort to your people. 
so that we may be brave, that we might be bold to look our trials and tribulations in the face and say, in the power of Jesus as I am in him, nothing will stop me from pursuing my God and my Savior. That nothing will stop me from living for him each and every day, not even myself. I will keep going. And Jesus, if we are stuck, Lord, you're the God of deliverance. I pray that you would deliver us from where we are stuck. And ultimately, Jesus, may we, may we experience your grace and your love. Church, keep your eyes closed for just a moment. Four things I want you to do today. You might get the, the general concept, but now you need something practical to do. First thing you got to do is surrender. You just got to let, you got to breathe out, you got to exhale, you got to let, let your, your guard down and wave that white flag. Lord, I surrender to you and to you alone. Not a real popular mindset to do so. The world tells you to protect yourself, to be guarded. Yeah, to the world, yes, but not to Jesus. Surrender today. Repent. What is it in your life today that, gosh, you just need forgiveness for? You know you did it. You didn't even want to do it, but you still did it, and you need forgiveness for it. What are you stuck in today? What sin are you stuck in today that you need forgiveness for? Repent. God offers you grace so that you might repent. Worship. You know, just come before God and realize you're God and I'm not. You're big, I'm small. You are holy, I am impure. You are spotless, I am stained. But Lord, I worship you because I know you brought me out of that. You have made me alive in your son Jesus. Lastly, one of the, the hardest things, or one of the things that keeps us from loving God is just being loved. Some of us understand that God loves us, but we don't let him do so. I want you to, to cognizantly say, whether it's internally or externally, Lord, I know you love me. Regardless of my sin, regardless of my past, regardless of my choices, I know you love me. I see the cross. I see that it's not just the cross you died on, but it's now empty because you are no longer on that cross and you live today for me at the right hand of your Father, that you love me with a great love that I cannot measure. And if we can't believe that, church, I pray that you would ask that the Lord would help your unbelief so that you might believe. And Lord, we give you the praise today. It is for you and for your glory that we do all these things. I pray your people find you today and find your forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen.